Hey, what's up, guys? Um, how's it going? Um, I just wanted to go live. Um, I've been reading through. Um, I've been I've been reading through a few things, and uh, I've been observing what's going on in the world right now. And I just thought that uh, I'll just give my two cents, you know, on what's going on. Um, you know, there is uh, obviously um, there is kind of like an epidemic of uh, uh, of people looking for protection um, you know whether it's it's parents trying to protect the children uh, whether it's uh, people wanting protection uh, from the government whether it's uh, people looking for protection from uh, the religious leaders or establishment and uh, what if we've learned anything from history is that um, no matter how much you want to be protected at some point then the very institution that you need protection from will turn against you, you know, and uh, we have many, many, many evidence of that happening. Uh, nonetheless, um, in the 20th century, we have many evidence of people wanting protection from government, from a certain uh, establishment, and later on in life, it's been shown that uh, they're always taking, care, taking advantage of, you know. Now, the question is, as a parent, how much protection can you provide for your children? How much protection can you give to your children, right? Um, I usually, I, I like to take it from the Bible, right? Um, in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, um, God actually, is the story of creation. Um, God created Adam and Eve, and he blessed them. And now, here's, here's where the story gets interesting. And say to them, God said to them, God said, let us make men our image, with Genesis chapter 1 now, verse 26, Adult image according to a likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, over the air, and over cattle of all the earth. Now, you understand that um, that's prior to uh, sin, prior to them going against, rebelling against God and, and, and disobeying God's commandment. Now, it's, uh, there's a reason why we didn't, we didn't do this. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now, if you're going through the Ten Commandments, there's a reason why God is asking us in the Ten Commandments, we're being asked not to worship or not to make graven images or not to worship certain kind of image because it's idolatry, right? Now, the third thing, the, the other thing is God then blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds, over the air and blah, 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 blah. So, and God said, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be food, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herbs, and here's what said to them. He said, listen, I put a tree in the middle of the, uh, um, of the garden, and you shall not touch it. Now, why do I read the story of Genesis and, and the creation story with Adam? Well, God is the archetypal father, is the perfect father, right? He created Adam, give them a, a place to live, give them a, uh, some purpose, has given him a, a, a dominion over the, the, all the animals that live there, uh, without which that he will be eaten alive, right? So, and God said to him that, well, I've given you all this thing, and here's the work that you're going to be doing. So God is saying to Adam, here's the work you're going to be doing. And then God didn't say to Adam that I'm going to kind of like put, uh, um, put um, angels around that tree so that you don't eat it. Knowing fully well, and that's the reason why we, I'm saying this, knowing fully well that Adam in the future, in the near future, will go and do exactly that which God told him not to do. But yet God didn't protect Adam from himself. He has given him free will. 
you know, any type of relationship, whether it's between two people, whether or not it's between people and government, whether or not in any relationship, there is a, there is um, an implicit uh, uh, presupposition that we are involved into this relationship by our own free will, right? So any relationship that we're entering into, whether or not it's with a school, whether or not it is work, if, if without the free will, it's nothing but slavery. And there's a different type of slavery that they call indentured servitude, which we won't get into. So God, who is the perfect father, didn't try to protect Adam, only warned him, gave him the freedom of, uh, of, of will, gave him free will, the freedom to choose from right and wrong, and knowing fully well that they will turn against him, but yet has given them the freedom to choose. This is um, kind of like a philosophical debate within the Christian church or within, even within uh, people who have, who have not shared my Christian belief that they believe that God has something to do with them sinning, which we're not going to discuss today. God has given them the free will to choose between right and wrong, didn't protect them, overprotect them, has given them the ability to choose right from wrong. Now, what does that say for us parents? No matter how much you want to try to guard your children for all the other things happening in the world, you can't. Because here's the thing. Anytime we've seen this in the Freudian, Freudian nightmare story, you know, it's like anytime you have a parent, whether or not it's a mother, the majority of the time it's a mother because mothers are more inclined to protect their children, right? Um, anytime you have a, a father or a mother or parent overprotecting their children, what tends to happen is that relationship always tends to, to be fractured because the mother always overstepping a boundary or the father is always overstepping his boundary. Because the relationship between us as parents and our children is that we arm them with the truth. We make them the strongest human being that we can. So when they go into the world that they're not going there blind, living um, in a bubble, not being aware that there is evil in this world, but we arm them and give them, give them the truth, arm them with the truth and the tools through which they can deal with what's going on in the world. Because if you're trying to overprotect over your children, what tends to happen is you're going to become the tyrant. Your children will serve you. And we, we've seen this taking place now um, in our society. Uh, we've seen many, many adult men who completely are uh, beholden to their, to, their, to their parent. And the majority of the time it's the mom. Uh, or you see many grown men now who are completely, completely terrified of the father because he's the all-knowing, all-seeing person. Because yet they have not figured out that as an adult, the basic presupposition of me being an adult is that I don't, my parents don't know any better than I do what's good for me. The reason why is because they don't live my life, they don't have my experience, and only I will know what is good for me. It's not because that your parents can't give you advice, not because that your parents your parents uh, uh, have not seen what's going on in this world. That is not the issue here. The issue here is that you as a parent cannot overprotect your children. And anytime a parent is inclined to overprotect their children, what tends to happen is they hurt their children by giving them too much protection. In the society in which we live right now, you know, as Kierkegaard, so when Kierkegaard stated some years ago, it's like there will come a time when the only thing that we will be needing is to make life a lot harder than it is. Comparatively to 50 and 60 years ago, we have it better now. 
It's easier to uh, to to open a business in this country. It, it's easier to be whatever you want to be. And obviously, um, there are people that might actually have uh, uh, opposing views on that. But you know, comparatively to uh, 60, 50 years ago, we are we are. It's 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 not even on the same page. But you know what? With the problem is with every technological advent advancement advancement, there will need there will be a tech, there will be a psychological psychological um. There will need to be a psychological advancement as well. Well, what tends to happen is we are we are we have more knowledge than we know what to do with it. We we have we, I mean we we are really at ease now. You don't have to leave your house for anything nowadays if you don't want to. If you have all the money that you need, you can buy everything you need from your house and never leave. You understand what I'm saying? And 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 so we have it good now. But the problem with that is because of that that our children. And us as human beings, that we're going to actually pull against that ease that we have right now. As uh, Brother Denzel Washington said, he said, you know, ease is a greater threat to progress than, 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 than difficulty. Than, than difficulty. You know, many, many people now, they have it so easy now. They have so many choices, so many things that they can do. What tends to happen, they get stuck. Now, back to the story, well... Uh, reading from from the historical evidence from the 20th century, we see what happened in Soviet the Soviet Union. We we see what happened in 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 in, in with Mao and China. We see what happened in Cuba. We see what happened in Venezuela. And and this is not political, but what it is is any time a government want to want you to turn over your will over to them so that they can be the all overseeing God that they provide everything to you every time, any time this tend to happen. What tend to happen is that those same people turn into tyrants. Well, why? Because we were created as social animals to actually go and venture into the world and bump against things and then and then and then fight and struggle. And the reason why in the perfect world God has created Adam and give, and has given him a mission to take care of the garden in which he lived. Now you might have to ask yourself, well, the world was perfect. Why would Adam need to tend to the garden? Why would he need to take care of the garden? Well, this is this is more also a, a, a mythological example in the sense that this is an archetypal example in the sense that this is representing what we as human beings will need to do. You can have all the money in the world. You, 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 you have all the money in the world without doing something that is, without struggling against something, without going against something and, 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 and stretching yourself, whether physically, uh, 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 philosoph philosoph philosophically, or spiritually, what tends to happen is we degenerate. And this is, this is a story that we found in the book Notes from Underground, written by one of my favorite writers, Fyodor Dostoevsky. And, and, and the, the truth of the matter is many people are making claims that they can give us everything that we need. All we have to do is to follow them. And if we do that, then we'll have, then, then we'll bring in, uh, um, you know, then we'll, bring, we'll usher in paradise, which we know it is not the case. You know, it's not the case. It doesn't matter who the person is, uh, what position that they, uh, they, they, they actually are in. We know from historical facts that there's never been a time in the world when we have turned over our will to a government, um, uh, an institution, whether or not turn over our will to a church or to, uh, to religion or to religious uh, leaders that they've done any good with it. You know, part of part of the problem nowadays that's happening is when we're looking from a religious perspective, most of the churches now are filled with women. 
and it's kind of like an 80 80 20 ratio for every eight uh, if you go to any church you see eight, you you look at 100 people 80, 80 of them will be women and 20 will be men well i would say 10 will be men and other 10 will be children right well so you have to ask yourself well, what's happening well understand that men naturally we tend to we tend to be we tend to look things a little bit different you know, from, from the uh, psychometric uh, um, evidence provided to us, we understand that men, we are a lot more disagreeable than women. Doesn't mean that women are not disagreeable, but men, as men, we are more disagreeable than women. And if you want to tell me, well, that's kind of true, but yeah, I think that there is a lot more similarity between men and women uh, from the psychometrics uh, 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 evidences, but at the extreme, as a tail end, as the extreme, this is where things are really start to really matter. At the extreme, men are way more disagreeable than women. Well, look at it that way, right? There are a lot more men in prison. Men committed suicide more than women. Men are most likely to uh, to be homeless. You understand what I'm saying? So you might like why? Well, here's something, right? Most people who go to jail, and I'm just using this generally, most of the people who go to jail who've committed uh, a crime. I'm talking about uh, uh, violent crime, they're men. At the tail end, if you want to pull 10 people out of, or 100 people out of a society, and you take 50, 50 men and 50 women, well, or you take 100 people, and you look at the people that are more, uh, uh, more disagreeable, 60% of the time, you'll be right if you choose the men. And 40% of the time, you'll be right if you choose the women. That's not a, a whole lot of difference, but it's a 20% it's a difference. But hey, at the extreme, all the men who are violent, all the men who are violent are violent because most of the time they are disagreeable by nature. Disagreeable people will not follow. So one of the things happening right now in the church is that most of the men are leaving the church. Men do not follow, men do not follow programs. Men are not following um, uh, um, programs. Men are not just sitting there to feel good. We, we, are, we are animals, so to speak. We're beasts of burden. We need a burden to carry. And I don't think this is being provided now in the church. And I'm not just speaking in church from one perspective. I'm speaking from all the religious churches. And you see, you look at all the religious churches right now in the United States, the majority are galloping uh, numbers of those people who attend the churches are women. Well, the other thing that, that, that we can actually see the majority of the men nowadays who are running who are running away from carrying their own responsibility well going up without the fathers so well you might ask me where am i going with this well it's, it's something for you it's a, a, a little bit of a trivia for you men who grow up with their fathers tend to do a lot better than men who don't why because we as men we provide something in the family that a woman can't provide and this is not anything, I have nothing against women. I'm married men with, with two children. But because biologically, we don't, our, biolog our biological um, uh, um, clocks is not the same. Psychologically, we're not the same. Although we're more similar than we're different. Right? Women have to take care of our children. So women tend to be more, uh, more um, caring, so to speak. And the majority of, the, uh, of, of uh, uh, those a profession where people are taking care of other people are done by women because by nature they're more caring can you imagine if men we have to take care of children you know you get tired women are not like that 
So we're looking at, well, there are problems happening in the home, problems happening in the church, problems happening in the community. Well, what do we do with this? Well, there's one thing that we can do. One thing we can do is to open our eyes, understanding that we cannot be protected. You know, uh, Moro made that statement. The majority of men are living life, are living life um, in, in, in quiet desperation. Why men, when, when we don't care, when we're not caring a burden, what tends to happen is we degenerate. And for looking at the military, the majority of them who left the service and, and tried to integrate into civilian life, well, that, that might not be their own fault because they don't have a mission. What tends to happen is they suffer from all kinds of diseases. And, the, and you look at almost 60% of all the military people who serve and get back into civilian life, they have some other issues that they're dealing with. We need to have, as men, we need to have a mission. Hence the reason a lot of men are not going to church anymore because church is not providing a mission for the men. We're not going to church so that we can feel good and drop off down. We need a mission. And in any society where you want to provide ease, the men will rebel against that. And if they actually fall into that trap and taking that, that drive, so to speak, so not to go out in the world and venture and find their own mission, what tends to happen is they suffer all type of, from all type of ailment. Well, here's what Fyodor um, Dostoevsky said about people who think that they can usher in their, their utopia. You know, we've seen this happening. Many churches, many pastors... I'm not calling names. Now, by the way, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just pointing the facts that many pastors are, are, are making those claims that if people do certain things, God will do certain things. It's not biblical. It's not, it's, it's not in the Bible. If you give $100 here, God will do this. It's, it's not biblical. If you want to have a man, then bring this offering. If you want uh, your house, your mortgage to be paid, then do this. If you want, if you want to buy that new car, do that. Well, you know, there's something to be said about us as human, uh, where's the responsibility here? If all you do if your money is wasted, it doesn't matter how much offering you bring to God. God is not an irresponsible God. And the reason why I read Genesis, when God created Adam, everything was in sync. It was symbiomatic. There, there, there was symb and symbiosis into the universe. The universe was not in chaos, the earth was not in chaos, the garden was in order, everything was there for Adam. Even the animals that Adam named, God abided by the name that was given to the animals. So God has given Adam a sense of ownership. When we men, we don't actually feel that we own our life. Well, there's all sort of problem there. Well, there's a question to be asked. Well, what are we doing if we don't have that sense of ownership? If you have not read the book from Jacko Willick, uh, Jacko Willick, uh, Ex Navy Seal, Extreme Ownership, I, I, I invite you to read it. I invite you to read it. And now there's, there's a big problem happening right now. In, it's not only happening in the government. It's happening in the community. It's happening in the churches. Leaders are running away from their responsibility. Leaders are running away from their responsibility. And we know that opportunities are always lying where uh, uh, responsibility has, has been abdicated. I've been abdicated. You wanna, you wanna actually have some fo some some of uh, form of uh, um, ownership, or you want people to look at you as a leader. Take responsibility where where people have abdicated their own responsibility, where people have run away from taking ownership of the position. You go and own that, and if you do that, I tell you what, people will look at you as a leader. And this is happening right now. And we see what happened, the debacle that happened in Afghanistan. So many ex-military people who've been retired, they joined back in. We're going to go back and take our people and help out. 
and they're coming back and, and like people are looking at them like, well, why are you not back serving? We need people like you. And it's in every society. If you are a leader, you're not taking extreme ownership for your own position. What tends to happen is people might still follow you because they are ships, but they have no respect for you. And it's something I tell you what, if you're a leader and people still like you, in spite of all the mistakes that you've made and never taking ownership, that they don't respect you. If people have not called you out as a leader because you have made mistakes, they don't respect you. They might like you. They might like what you're doing because they have something that they benefit from that, but they don't respect you. Now, this is what Fyodor Dostoevsky said about this. In short, and this is from the book, see, let's see, Notes from Underground. Notes from Underground by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Now, this is what he said, right? In short, one may say anything about the history of the world, anything that might enter the most disorganized imagination. The only thing one can't say is that it's rational. The very words stick in one throat. And indeed, this is the odd thing that it is continually happening there, are uh, continually turning up in life moral and rational persons, sages and lovers of humanity, who make it their object to live all their lives as morally as rationally as possible, to be, so to speak, a light to their neighbor, simply in order to show them that it's possible to live morally and rationally in this world. And yet, we all know that those very people, sooner or later, have been found to be false themselves, playing some queer trick, often a most unseemly one. Now I ask you, what can one be expected of men since is a being endowed with strange qualities? Now, this is what the, the, case, this is what, uh, the question is. We have the freedom to choose. We have the freedom to choose. Why can you, what can you expect from someone who have the freedom to say yes or no? Provide them with all those things, whatever you want to give them. What can you expect of someone who have the ability to actually deny those things that you provide for them? And Dostoevsky, being a genius, has given the answer. It's a shower upon him, every earthly blessing, joining in a sea of happiness so that nothing but bubbles of bliss can be seen on the surface. Give him economic prosperity, such that he should have nothing else to do but sleep, eat cakes, and busy himself with the continuation of his species. And even then, out of sheer ingratitude, sheer spite, man will play you some nasty trick. He will even wish his cakes and will deliberately desire the most fatal rubbish, the most uneconomical absurdity, Simply to introduce into all this positive good sense its fatal fantastic element. It is just its fantastic dreams, its vulgar folly that it will desire to return simply in order to prove to himself as though were so unnecessarily that men still are men and not the keys of a piano, which the laws of nature threaten to control so completely that soon one will be able to desire nothing but by the calendar. And that is not all. Even if man really were nothing but a piano key, even if this were proved to him by natural science and mathematics, even then he will not become reasonable, but will purposely do so something perverse out of sheer simply ingratitude, simply to gain his point. And if he does not find means, he will contrive destruction and chaos, will contrive sufferings of all sorts, only to gain his point. 
it will launch a curse upon the world. And as only man can curse, it is his privilege, the primary distinction between him and other animals. Maybe by his curse alone, he will return, attain his object, that is, convince himself that he's a man, not a piano key. Now, if you say that all this too can be calculated and tabulated, chaos and darkness and curses, so that the mere possibility of calculating it all beforehand will stop it all, and Wilson will accept itself, then men will purposely go mad in order to read off reason and gain his point. I believe in it. I answer for it. For the whole work of a man really seems to consist in nothing but to proving to himself every minute that is a man and not a piano key. It may be at the cost of his skin. It may be by cannibalism. And this being so, can one help being tempted to rejoice that it has not yet come off and that the, that desire still depends on something we don't know? You will scream at me. That is if you condense to do so. That no one is touching my free will. That all they are concerned with is that my will should of itself, of his own free will, coincide with my own normal interest with the law of nature and arithmetics. Good heaven, gentlemen. What sort of free will is left when we come to tabulation and arithmetic? When it all be a case of twice to make four. Twice to make four without my will as a free will made that. What is Dostoevsky saying here? We as human beings, we are a beast of burden. You, you know, and the reason why the majority of the people, if not 99.9% of all the people who have won the lotto, has ended up within 10 years far more worse than when they started. Why? Well, if you have all the money, you can do anything, be anywhere. What does that make you? You know, in the Bible, it said God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. What does it like? Huh. God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. What does it like? Well, God likes boundaries. We are bounded by our own vulnerability. We are bounded by our own assumption. We are bounded by our own, um, by our own will and by our own what. So what, the, what he's saying is that no matter what you do, no matter how much money you may have, no matter how much good thing the government might give you, no matter how much security that someone will provide you, it will always be at a cost. And the interesting thing is, sometimes, by the time you figure out how much you have to pay, it's too late. One of the great quantum physicist teacher in England, his name was um, Dr. Coppergum, um, I can't pronounce his name. I'll type it in the comment. Um, I can't pronounce his name. And he said, nothing is free. There's no free lunch. Somebody's got to pay. My brothers, my sisters, friends, is the question. The question is, can you be protected? Do you need protection? It's like depending on what you mean by protection. Will you give up your free will so that you could be protected against yourself? I don't know. God has given it to us for a reason. And even God could protect Adam and Eve from the serpent in the garden. And I know that's a, that's a very odd question to ask, a very odd statement to make. 
But there's a reason why God has given them free will and has allowed them to make their own choices. You know, your freedom ends where my begin. So, yes, we, we are in a causal relationship as, as a society. But truth of the matter is, I think it's high time for us as human beings, high time for us as brothers, high time for us as, as women, instead of just looking for help from the outside and for us to start making up our own bed, start where we are, looking into our own household. What can be clean? What things that we are dwelling on that need to get rid of? You know, what kind of vices and, and what kind of sin that we, you know, we're playing with? You know, the interesting thing is if you take a cub and bring it to your home, uh, within a few years it's no longer a cub, it's a full-grown tiger. And some of the sin that some of the things that we are not dealing with, they, they, two years ago they were little cubs. They were cute little things. Now they're full-grown tiger. The story of Cain and Abel to bring this to full closure. God said to Cain, sin crouches at your door like a predatory cat and he wants to have his way with you and you have let it in. We in the society, within the religious, within the religious community, we have let the devil in our own home. We have let the devil into our churches. Nowadays, it's very difficult to make a difference, to differentiate between those of us who are called Christian and those of us who don't have the word of God. Because we're not only living by, by, the, by the world's standard, but we don't actually believe in what we say. This morning, as I was teaching at my church, and one of the things I said is, anything that somebody said to you, people say a lot of things. Don't believe what people say. Watch what they do. They are what they do. We are what we do, not what we say. So what a good place we can start. Start looking at our own action. Is it are our actions congruent to our own uh, belief, our own statement? Are we are we living a life that is that is um, symbiotic, uh, to that is in 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 complete unity with what we claim to be? And if not, then we should start cleaning our own room, making up our own bed, instead of just looking from the outside. It's always easier to point the finger at other people, but the most difficult thing is to point the finger at ourselves. Because this means that we have failed. I want to know that. Failure is part of a journey, the human experience. Existentially, we're all going to fail. We're all going to suffer. That's our plow. That's our, uh, our, um, that's, that's our plight, I think. Yeah. That's, that's our destiny. We're all going to fail. We're all going to suffer. It's in an existential truism. That suffering is a part of life. You know, the Buddhists, the Buddhists say that life is suffering. And the entire Christian Bible is nothing but seeing people who have transcended suffering. The story of Job is an archetypal story in the sense that we all can be Job. We all can transcend our suffering. We all can, can, can step away. And, and in spite of un, unspeakable, excruciating pain, still believe that there is a transcendent being. There is a God. And he rules over all life. Listen, guys, I think that was the end of my rant today. I'll see you guys again.